0: Following Rata's theory, connecting people is very important when we want to support lifelong learning. Um, Nevertheless, it took almost 50 years um, for the technology to be ready and these findings to actually be implemented into a corporate world. The standard arguments for e-learning, which were always you can learn anytime, anywhere, um, was boosted um, with the recent um, increase in mobile bandwidth um, and the outstanding success of Apple's iPhone, um, making um, mobile learning just another alternative to e-learning. And then eventually, 120 years after Ebbinghaus published his um, Learning or Forgetting Curve, um, we now also have the means, the technological means, um, of providing context-sensitive micro-learning, um, which, is, um, which gives employees small bits of learning incorporated into their daily routine um, or work. So... If we look at um, the learning processes in organizations today, they are rather complex, and they even have their own ISO standards. Um, this is an example from UBS, one of our clients, the Swiss Bank. As you can see, training processes at UBS, for example, range from needs analysis via training, offer design and delivery, to controlling Each main task is divided into a number of subtasks, which include not only curriculum and program design, but also tasks such as resource management, event management, or reporting. This was my brief look into the past. Now, the main part of today's presentation, I would like to speak about future challenges. In our opinion... The main challenges um, for the future can be divided into two categories, human resources and market-driven challenges. In the HR area, we will face, it's often been discussed, the problems of demographic change and related and increasingly aging workforce. In addition, employees are changing their employers more frequently than they used to do. My grandfather, my father, they still used to work for one employer throughout their life. If I look at my friends from my university year, in the last 15 years since we left university in minimum case, um, we have changed employers two to three times. Um, That makes it increasingly difficult um, to manage and protect organization-specific know-how. And in addition, um, the success of today's organization also depends much more on, on, on HR on people than it used to uh, 50 years ago when technology advances um, could still guarantee um, yeah, a major position in the market for many years. So the ability to successfully identify and recruit high potentials or skilled workers has become a crucial success factor. But this often requires time and cost intensive recruitment processes. Now, if we look at the, market, at the category market challenges, we will see that almost all of our organizations have to compete in global markets with a very high dynamic and rapidly changing business requirements. Today, more than ever before, ongoing organizational change is a necessity to survive. So I would like to discuss these two categories um, in further detail. According to a report I read uh, in preparing this uh, speech, um, the Australian government projects that over the next 40 years, the proportion of the population aged over 65 per- uh, years will almost double to 25%. At the same time, growth in the population—sorry, uh, um, at the same time, growth in the population of traditional workforce age, which would be 15 to 64, is expected to slow to almost zero. So it is self-explanatory that with this aging, pop, aging popul, uh, population, there will come an aging workforce. Um, we will see mass retirements, a skills shortage, and, of course, a succession planning challenge. Therefore, our prediction is that while flexibility, job variety, collaborative leadership models or work-life balance will remain part of our daily routine or, or daily um, yeah, uh, reality. Um, I we believe that there will probably be a stronger emphasis again on training, on skill development, and as well as a return to longer job tenure and stability. Sorry, it's not moving. Okay. <coughs> Sorry, one second. Ah, Perfect, thank you. Okay, Okay, um, this slide um, shows the result of a research conducted by Bursin and Associates in 2009. They've asked HR managers across Asia-Pacific Europe and the U.S. to state their main challenges within the coming years. As you can see, the majority said that filling gaps in the leadership pipeline Um, or filling key employee positions are among the most important challenges. But if you read further, you'll also notice that almost half of the listed challenges in some way or the other deal with talent management, performance management, or recruiting. Be it developing new skills or hiring people um, quickly due to to company company growth, um, everything seems to center more or less um, in the talent management area. So, for HR professionals, what does it mean? We believe that talent management, performance management, and recruiting will become vital tasks of HR departments and will gain more and more importance. At the same time, we also believe that classic HR functions, um, such as payroll management or capacity planning, will be increasingly outsourced. So, if we look at the HR systems, um, we will also see a change in the functionalities offered. Um, classic learning management systems, as we know them today, um, which take care of training, administration, and management, will be equipped with additional functionalities supporting performance management, succession planning, skill and competency management, or talent management. So this is um, a possible way how one HR system of the future will look like. It will not only manage learning and development, but also offer tools to manage careers and successions, or it will will offer um, tools to um, identify high-profile people within the organization or to develop uh, talent migration plans. New functionalities will also be added in the fields of sourcing and recruiting or leadership development, and a new emphasis will be given to performance management because it will serve as the basis uh, for the development of a talent strategy. This illustrates or summarizes um, all these new functionalities in a continuous talent management process. In future, learning technologies or HR systems will support um, you as organization um, in identifying talents, developing their skills, measuring their performance, as well as in uh, planning careers or successions. And um, in order to show you how technology can help you in these areas, um, I've prepared a few slides um, to show functionalities of talent management systems. Um, Talent talent management systems can, for example, prepare demographic structures of organizations, um, which will then highlight future risks, um, such as years of high fluctuation due to mass retirements. These demographic changes could then also be broken down um, to units, um, for example, department levels, um, with the systems showing us which department f- departments um, face particularly high risks. In our example here, for example, the accounting department is marked in red, which means um, that this department is um, particularly exposed to a high risk with three out of six employees. Um, Most most likely to change the uh, the organization or to leave. Or um, systems can show us the fluctuation risk of employees in key positions, um, allowing us to plan their successions at an early stage. And once we know which key positions may need to be filled in the future. Um, talent management systems can identify potential short or long term successor based on um, skill profiles or appraisals. One second. Now um, this slide shows um, um, sorry um, key positions sorry no where am i um one second um okay um and once we sorry there's one second Okay, sorry, uh, just one slide which went missing. Um, Based on um, your definition of talent, talent management system can then also identify high potentials and um, compare the different uh, potential levels um, of of, uh, people within your department. Um, In our example, for example, we have three employees um, with a low potential, which is a total of 20% um, of all employees within the department. Um, Analyses like this can be very valuable to identify possible future succession uh, problems within departments. A rather classic example um, of talent management functionalities, which we will probably see um, more often in the future, is the analysis of employee performances um, through the years. Here shown including um, a summarizing trend line, for example. And if you, know, if you want to know whether or not your department is equipped with the right skills for upcoming challenges, HR system should be able to show you the distribution of skills within department. Here in this example, um, we have spoken Spanish as the analyzed skill, and we see that 30% of the employees within the department have sufficient knowledge. So it is up to you to decide if this number is sufficient or if you need to take actions. And a last example um, of how talent management systems can help you is um, this slide, which just shows another view for the distribution of skills in departments. This time you can see which persons um, have which skill level. Combined with the fluctuation risk, you may, for example, need this view to find out if the critical skill or knowledge um, rests in employees um, with a very high risk of leaving the company. These are just a few examples of where we believe that um, learning technologies or HR system will move to um, in the future. Um, Definitely talent management um, will be one of the key tasks um, that we will see um, when we look at learning technologies. Okay, so that's on the HR side, the challenges um, on the HR side. Um, Earlier I've said there I, w- I would like to categorize um, the main challenges in two categories, HR and, on the other hand, markets. Um, we've heard that um, our organizations have to compete in more and more um, dynamic markets. Our business requirements are rapidly changing and change becomes a necessity. But what does that mean um, uh, for our technology, for the technology that we use Um, It means that our technology solution uh, need to support ongoing change. It means that we need scalable and flexible solutions. It means that we need dynamic availabilities, solutions that can be upgraded or downscaled on short notices if required. But such flexible solutions also need flexible operating or financing models. It doesn't help us if we can upgrade or downscale our systems um, if we can't adjust the cost related to these systems or these solutions. So one concept um, which is gaining um, increasing popularity is cloud computing. the idea, cloud computing is the idea um, that software or resources are provided on demand. So you no longer build your own IT infrastructure or purchase software, um, but you rent infrastructure or software as you need them, and very important, you only pay for it when you need it. All of us, um, I guess, know famous examples of um, cloud computing um, providers. Um, One is Salesforce, um, a CRM system that is available via the net. Amazon is more and more uh, venturing into the cloud area by providing servers and IT infrastructure within minutes, um, which allows organizations to very quickly quickly, um, scale capacities, both up and down, um, as their IT requirements change. And, of course, we all know probably the market leader in cloud solutions, um, Google. All of their apps um, are cloud solutions, be it Gmail or Google Docs. Now, um, there are two versions of cloud computing frequently discussed um, and sometimes um, mixed up um, regarding the wordings. Um, there is um, what we call application service providing (ASP), um, and there is software as a service. Um, according to the official definitions, ASP means providers host technology for um, their clients, um, but there are dedicated infrastructure for each uh, infrastructures for each client. Um, So client one has their own system, their own software. They can modify it um, whenever they need, um, and they're rather as flexible um, from a software perspective as they were when they implemented it um, in-house. When we speak about software as a service, Um, we mean that a number um, of clients share the same infrastructure, um, probably divided into different domains or um, separate uh, instances. (coughs) Of course, the data within um, each client's um, domain or instance is secured as good as possible, um, but there's very, very limited space for customer-specific modifications to the software. If we have a look at what do the experts say about cloud computing, particularly about um, software as a service, um, the shared opinion is that it is increasingly um, winning ground. Um, Mary Lynch says that software as a service will move from a niche market to a mass market. The Aberdeen Group states that CIOs start to intensively discuss software as a service Or, Tech Consult um, considers it to be the software provision model of the future. Um, A survey conducted by um, IDC um, earlier this year shows um, that even though only 6% of all respondents believe that cloud computing will be used extensively um, within the next two to five years, the majority of participants still believe. Um, that cloud computing will play a very important role, be it as a supplement to traditional IT operations or for temporary operations only. We, um, as one of the providers, um, believe that cloud computing definitely will find its way to the corporate world, and we also believe that it's definitely more than just a buzzword. But, of course, As with every um, concept that there is, there are a number of advantages and disadvantages. For example, um, advantages include low investment risk um, or a reduced IT complexity, as everything will be managed and run um, by the providers, um, which allows organizations also to focus on their core business activities. Another advantage clearly is um, financial transpa- transparency because in a cloud environment it's very easy to track your costs because you just pay for the system whenever you need it. There are different financial models. Um, some providers um, charge you um, per, uh, per day, per month, um, per user. Um, some charge you for uh, download, um, uh, the, yeah, download volume. Um, some charge you a fixed rate per year, but um, all of these models that uh, surround cloud computing are actually quite flexible and can, for example, be terminated any time. Um, but there are also disadvantages. If you read IT security reports, cloud infrastructure may become one of the main threats um, in the future. Um, at the moment, organizations, I think, are not really aware of these vulnerabilities yet, but... Um, And and there haven't been too many cases um, of um, problems, but um, that's just because it hasn't been so popular yet in the past. And if you read um, IT security reports for the future, everybody forecasts that this is one of the main, main issues um, that um, providers will have to face. Um, then there is the fact that international regulations are actually not yet prepared um, for communication or data um, exchange across countries um, for example we've been just uh, recently discussing um, um, a hosted solution um, for organization which is spread around Asia Pacific and um, we had the problem that um, China is currently discussing a, a law that forbids the storage um, of data on from Chinese organizations outside of China, which means um, a system that is hosted, for example, in Singapore is out of the question, and um, the Chinese subsidiary of our client will not be able to join the mutual system. Um, The same goes, for example, for Indonesia. Um, you, You will find similar problems there. And very often um, you also find that the idea of cloud computing um, finds its strongest opposition, actually, in IT departments um, because people are... Um not only because of um, security threats, but uh, for a large part also because people are simply scared um, of losing their job or um, not having um, an equal say um, in the future. So um, we face external problems, um, but we also face um, internal oppositions. (coughs) Um, If we look at the motives um, of organizations um, for implementing cloud computing, A majority of organisations say um, that they implemented it to save cost um, or because there were temporary project requirements from a specific. um, Sorry, can I ask a question? Yeah, sure.
1: Um, I don't know if you're waiting
0: until the end, but I just
1: wanted
2: to catch you before you move on.
0: Yeah? To this slide?
1: No, a bit further
2: back. Can you provide a real life example that we might know between the two? um, Versions of you
0: know, the software as a service and the ASP one. So and and the sort of follow up question is I'm assuming that most of the rest of where you're going is about software as a service, yeah. But the other ones. Um, you want to just hear an example um, of uh, I'm happy um, to 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 speak about that. For example, in the learning technologies environment, um, if you take learning management systems for example. Um, Application service providing, um, a client has a dedicated system. So if the client wants to change um, the color of the system, wants to change the name of buttons, um, wants to change the navigation, um, as long as the software allows these changes, um, like by changing the source code, for example, Um They can do it because it's a dedicated system. The only difference, actually, between application service providing and very traditional uh, concepts of um, in-house hosting um, is just the place of hosting. It's just the provider actually takes care, takes your whole infrastructure, puts it outside, takes care of the maintenance, the support, and so on. Um, That helps you um, in case... um, Yeah, you just want to outsource it. You don't want to build your own IT infrastructure um, to that extent. Um, Software as a service, an example. Um, I can give an example from a learning management system point of view. Um, You have one system divided into domains. So um, each client has a separate domain. If now one client says, I don't like the name of that button, I mean, you have uh, certain uh, modifications possible, like the color is still, you would still be able to change it. Uh, the, but if, like, one, let's say one client says, um, I like to change the name of this button, it's impossible unless you ask everybody um, on that infrastructure whether they are okay. Of course, um, to which level um, domains can be set up um, individually, it depends from provider to provider, but um, that's a typical example. Um, Google Docs a very typical example of software as a service, because everything is stored on one um, server. Everybody uses the same. If you want to use Google Docs for your um, uh, organization, you can't just ask Google to change um, yeah, uh, the functionality of it to a certain extent. They won't do it, um, because there are other clients on that same server, and it will affect everybody. Um, that, is, that is the difference. It's um. Usually, the software as a service uh, models, um, they are cheaper, clearly because everybody shares the cost for one infrastructure. Um, I would say the security risks are higher um, and um, yeah, and uh, the flexibility is much less. Um, does that answer your question? Okay um ah oh yeah we were here um oh yeah and by the way um i'm almost finished and um, it's about cloud computing as a whole um about both models um yeah so if we look at the motives for implementing cloud computing um a majority um was driven by financial factors um such as um uh, implementing cost, um, cost of operating the infrastructure, or um, by um, requests that came from departments, there's a project and they need to quickly um, implement an infrastructure um, which will not be used long-term but only um, short to medium-term. Then um, these are typical application um, scenarios. Um, other important reasons to implement cloud computing are lack of flexibility of, organisa- of the um, internal um, in IT um, infrastructure or IT resources. Very often, IT um, departments are booked out uh, with tasks for a long time. It's very difficult um, to get short-term, yeah, to free certain resources on a short-term level. Um, or another motivation may be time pressure um, for IT implementation. I would like to end this um, presentation before we go to the um, questions um, with um, sorry, um, with just some recommendations. Um, if um, you ask organizations who have already implemented cloud solutions, um, they are all extremely happy with it. They say that it really serves their purpose. Um, A very strong argument very often is also that in cloud uh, solutions the software is always up to date because usually that's included in your service package. But they also all say that um, it can go... (laughs) It can go really wrong um, <laughs> it can go really wrong if you don 't collect your information probably if you do not analyze um, your business case um, before you actually implement it because um, as i 've outlined earlier, there's a number of risks, and um, for example, cloud solutions for um, critical or very sensitive information, we are still I, I personally believe we are not really there yet because it will take a long time to really secure this data. Um, but um, if you prepare information, if you get information and prepare it, um, and if your application scenario clearly shows that um, the advantages um, to implement um, cloud computing are outweighing um, the disadvantages, um, that may be, yeah, I think we believe it can be very beneficial. Yeah, so from our perspective, um, we believe that when we look at learning technologies, clearly um, functionality-wise, talent management performance management, that's where it will go to. We may be wrong, but um, this is based on some research that we've done. Um, we personally haven't, or we as a company, haven't introduced solutions in this area yet, but um, our research um, is working on it, and the slides that I've shown you is are um, functionalities that we've identified as crucial for the future. And, yeah, from the operating models, um, I think we will see cloud computing with all... And, and definitely further research needs to be done, but once it is done, um, I believe that um, it will be, yeah, the software provision model of the future, actually. So this is it uh, for the slides. Um, but I'm happy to answer questions if there are any. What time is it, if I'm allowed to ask? It's, um, How much time have we left? Uh, 25 minutes. 20, oh, <laughs> that was quick. Sorry, I talked too fast. Um, I
2: think that's good. More people will have questions. Now, are we podcasting this? Are we podcasting with Stephanie? Yeah. In which case, we either need a microphone or we need to repeat the questions. Um, let's repeat the questions. So, please, let's start the conversation. Okay, I have a question while we're thinking of your questions. <laughs> with software as a service, um, what happens to the portability of the data? So, you might use one provider and then what sort of implications, what sort of things should organisations think through in
0: terms of managing that data? Yeah, um, that they is have, definitely, you know, yes. Legacy systems I think it was also written um, on the disadvantage um, side um, for software as a service because clearly that is, um, you're very um, provider dependent um, with the portability. Of course let's if we take for example learning management system, you always have um, possibilities to um, to export or import data from one system to another. Um, I think from a migration point of view, um, you always will have challenges of moving data um, from one provider to another. Um, clearly, software as a service doesn't really help <laughs> um, with these challenges because, in addition, um, yeah, your data is also hosted with, a, with an external provider.
3: Just a, a simple question about the performance management systems. I mean, ideally we would like that you know, the performance management is aligned to the job roles and then it helps with succession planning and yeah. identifying the skill gaps and all that. This is a very uh, sort of, you know, beautiful scenario we're looking at. <laughs> what has been your experience in terms of how precise we have been and... How far have we have been successful, please.
0: Yeah, I would say that really, very, very strongly depends from organisation to organisation. Um, I, when I go out um, and speak um, with potential clients, I very often um, see that people are very excited about this functionality. Um, but, like, let's say, for example, skill and competency management. I mean. Um, you have to, when you start this, um, there will be a time where you actually sit down and have to gather all that information and put it into the system. The system can't guess uh, the skills of a um, Um, of an employee so um, I agree with you the functionality is fascinating but whether or not organizations have captured that data already I mean that's the first step before you put it into an IT um, system you have to have a skill taxonomy for example, you have to have um, uh, job role descriptions, Um, you have to have skills attached to job roles in order to allow all these functionalities to work. I personally know a number of organizations who are there on a very detailed level because to them it's crucial. If you take, for example, internationally, international consultancy companies, um, they depend on this um, because they depend on finding the right consultant at the right time, having people um, in place. They, 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 they are yeah, just one example of organizations which are uh, very, very strongly depending on their HR. Um, I've seen others where... Um, they don't know um, the skills of their people. They simply haven't found the time. They haven't put it in place. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's my, my experience is split. Um, but I, I admit that very often people actually underestimate this factor, yeah, um, of that this information needs to be gathered. There need to be systems in place already. Some, um, or The information needs to be there in the company, or else you have to plan for the resources to gather that um, corporate uh, information, yes. I
3: agree. Uh, you know, the, the, it could be we all say talk about, say, customer service, you know. Now, there are shades within that uh, skill set. Yes. You know, you could be doing a very simple routine job yeah. in customer service or you could be actually doing the strategic stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: So where do you sort of draw the line that this is, say, grade one and this is grade five and so on? Yes. There, okay. I mean,
0: yeah, that's the task that organizations still have to do. And, um in order to um, really uh, benefit from systems, um, from talent management systems that are currently on the market. Um, clearly this kind of information needs to be somewhere already in the company or needs yeah, to be gathered there. Yeah.
2: Okay, other questions?
3: I'm just wondering about how the staff might respond to their internal ratings of valuable employee or not valuable and do they get to see the ratings and comment on it, is it like a 360 feedback, is that how we generate the data because I'm just concerned that some of those things could drive some employees to leave if they're not rated very highly or in fact maybe the other way, they're rated very highly and they see in themselves, hey I've got great job potential, maybe I will leave the company.
0: Um, I agree with you, Um, it's definitely very sensitive data and to which extent um, I believe that the systems of the future will be so flexible that you as an organization can define to which extent um, you gather information, to which extent you, um, what is it, um, uh, not digest, but um, um, draw conclusions um, out of this information, um, and to which extent you make that visible or available for employees. Um, again, um, I've seen many different examples. I mean, I can, if in in, in the, the 15 or 20 years that we've been in the market, you see, organisation dealing with this issue in a very um, or with these issues um, in a very um, in in very different ways. I mean, I remember that um, we once had. Um, uh, had to engage a lawyer because one of our clients asked us um, to capture the sexual orientation um, of their employees you know, and they wanted us to put in fields that analyze um, uh, this and um, we, I mean, that was in Europe, and, and that's something that by law is not allowed. But the organization, for them, it was important. Um, so I think um, when you are in a very competitive environment, again, let's take the example of consultancy firms. Let's, I, I don't know, just anybody um, of the big ones where you have... Um, where employees are used to performance um, analysis, to performance ratings, um, where they are used to comparisons, um, where that is part of their daily routine, you wouldn't have a problem um, asking or making this data available to them. But... um, in, in my presentation today, um, like when I, pre- when I prepared it, I rather had in mind that this is data which is used exclusively um, by the HR department. Um, and I think that's the most realistic scenario for the future because um, yeah, I, I simply believe it will be difficult for organizations to, comu- to communicate things like that. But on the other hand, um, at one point I think we need to know because it, our, the, the success of us as a company will depend on this data. So it's the same like we have at the moment, let's say, with salary data. It just needs to be protected properly. Um, yeah. Next.
1: Um, Thanks Stephanie, it's Cecile speaking I'm a learning designer and um, I was intrigued by that last uh, comment because I think what we're actually witnessing presently is a whole new, another trend which is transparency with the WikiLeaks and um, I think that's another revolution going on with the World Wide Web, so that's going to be very interesting with these, you know, integrated systems mm. and cloud computing. And like you yeah. said, the risk factor. Yes. Um, I'm a learning designer, so I'm quite interested, also, in how the we make the interface for these integrated systems um, very um, clear and um, uh, user friend well user friendly. When we're behind them, is this a uh, huge world of different applications and systems, um, and I think that's going to be a big, a big learning design issue.
0: It will be clearly, and um, I think with the success of um, Google, Apple, if you look at both of their applications, um, if you look at the interface, both. Both organizations, in my opinion, are very successful in providing very complex systems with a very, very simple interface. Um, I mean, Google—the interface is, uh, I mean, is this uh, the most simple that you could find? Um, and I think I agree with you. I, th- I think those providers or those designers will be successful who manage exactly that: keep it simple um, in the front um, and complex at the back. Yeah, um, we, um, once had, I once held a presentation about this idea it was called simplexity um, the challenge um, of keeping things like Google or Apple very very simple um, for the user but keeping that you, you automatically today have the, f- the fact that in the back it will become more and more complex as we see more and more data is required and so on um, I don't think we will stop that. I think the data collection and all that will still go on, but I think we need the interface for the user needs to be very, very simple. Yeah, I agree. And that will be a challenge, yeah, for everybody.
1: More questions?
0: And, yeah, one more comment about I see exactly with the transparency um, issue that you've mentioned, and that's exactly what what uh, what I was referring to earlier when I said that... I personally believe this will be a big issue um, when we speak about cloud computing in the future. Um, We prepared recently an IT security um, module um, course um, for a client, and um, while we did that, um, I read a few of the current um, IT security reports from all around the world. And, um, yeah. Um, they all say that it's currently not a big issue yet but that's because not a lot of critical data is yet in the cloud Um, but if we move there it will be I think the security issues have to be solved before Yeah.
2: Um, I'm just wondering if you could comment on the idea that um, I'm just thinking about your IT department comment and how innovation will probably not come from the ID department and how cloud computing and things like that mean that those things will be driven from somewhere else (laughs) or might might be it
0: it's I I personally um, I'm now what 10 years in the industry and I'm always amazed where the opposition against e-learning in general yeah um, where it comes from Um, like I remember um, speaking to our um, the guy who's responsible for higher education who told me once that the main opposition comes actually from the professors at the university who are scared of losing their jobs. Then within companies, um, organ- um, like responsible, the persons in charge told me that they are facing the highest um, opposition from their trainers uh, who were scared of, um, again, being redundant, which is Wrong. I mean, in e-learning, trainers and and moderators and tutors are uh, more needed than ever before. You need those people um, the same way you need them before. It's just that the way they they provide their services uh, may change. Um, And the same goes to IT. um, And again, we will... We will have to find ways to communicate this, and there will come a time when this opposition, this internal opposition, um, will resolve, because people will understand, like today professors have understood, um, we haven't replaced ourselves uh, by e-learning. It's actually an add-on, and it's something that our students really appreciate. Um, There will come a time when the IT department understands um, that, oh, this doesn't replace us, it's just a redefinition of our... um, Daily scope. Um, we are now managing these services. We are managing the providers. We are defining the requirements and everything, um, instead of just um, yeah, um, doing uh, the maintenance of it, for example. I I don't I don't think a single um, job will fall away in an IT department. But um, yeah, it's a redefinition of tasks. Um, that's. And, yeah, again, I, I guess um, internal communication is, is um, uh, maybe just time, which will show it then. Um, but this kind of opposition, I, I find, is quite common, actually. Um, and, um, but it has been overcome in other areas, um, when we look at the trainers, for example. Um, so I'm confident that it will, yeah, we will overcome that too. I don't think that will be, um, in the long run, a main holdback. Yeah, just something we see currently.
2: Do we have more questions? Okay, I'll come back to you. Yes. Stephanie, it's Regina. You mentioned at the beginning salesforce.com, which yes. is essentially a content relationship management yes. system. Yes. And you talked about the skills people need and then analysing them in, in a talent management framework. However... Would you not see those as two separate functionalities that need to be interfaced rather than the learning um, content being distributed in the CRM as well?
0: Oh, um, yeah, there uh, clearly was um, talent management is one area I spoke about and um, uh, Salesforce, um, I, I personally have nothing to do with Salesforce. I just mentioned it as a very, very famous example um, for a company who offers um, cloud services. Um,
2: Certainly, and so in relationship to the, the gentleman's question, yeah. um, Sugar is a, an open source um, CRM which you can either use as a cloud Application or on your own server, yeah. And it might be that you've got your learning management system in-house or in the cloud, and another, and they're just connected through your APIs. Yes. So it's not necessary for all systems to be in the cloud. No, you, no, 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 no. I don't you think can choose.
0: so. Yes. You can – that's what I said. Um, You probably decide for um, IT um, systems that um, at the moment um, uh, hold critical data, for example, um, uh, I don't know, uh, for example, salary um, data or something like that. Probably you will still host in-house for security issues, whereas content, e-learning content, you can host externally, yes, and you can connect all these um, clearly via – APIs. That's what I meant, I think, um, when I said that um, I believe that um, for each individual application scenario, you have to think very carefully whether the cloud is a good solution or not. Yeah.
2: So, my last um, comment is about your talent management and how you identify the skills level in, yeah. in particular teams. Yes. Do you have a process for deciding that this is a low value employee or high value? I um, mean, what's the and you mentioned competencies? Are you looking at national competencies or in house surveys or yeah. how, how do you actually ascertain that information?
0: Um, these were just examples of um, functionalities that I believe are coming in the future. Um, as I said we have our systems at the moment uh, don 't have integrated talent management functionalities yet, um, but uh, from just based on my um, uh, expectation. Um, I believe that competencies um, are defined individually by each company. Um, if you have uh, in an RGO, uh, competencies clearly mean uh, something else than it means for um, yeah, a corporate um, environment um, and the same goes to um, uh, yeah, uh, the potential of employees. I mean, that's what this gentleman over there said, that the task of organizations is then to have a um, syst- uh, uh, systematic that defines which is a high or low potential. I mean, there will be criteria, and that criteria needs to be defined by each individual organisation. Um, providers like us, they can just offer um, uh, best cases. Uh, uh, yeah, just um, their experience um, from other organisations. But um, in the end, the decision is up to each, each organisation. Yeah.
3: You just, uh, on the, the issue of security, you talked about, uh, we're concerned about the security of data. I'm wondering about the security of the infrastructure, though, uh, because let, let's say I've got my own servers and my data's on that, whether it's high-risk data or low-risk data, I've got access. Mm. But if my internet connection goes down, I've lost the access to yes. the cloud, yes. and that could be a very yeah. serious business risk. Definitely. So um, Definitely. Yeah.
0: It's it's here... uh Sorry? It it says here uh, depending on provider internet access. That's exactly one of the disadvantages. Exactly, and and if it goes down, but I mean, in my opinion, that's that's a that's a a low risk. uh, a not very um, important risk um, for one simple reason they have backup plans and everything um, but I agree with you if you are in an unstable environment um, IT environment like let's say you're operating from um, yeah, one of the villages um, in, in Indonesia for example where you don't have that guaranteed um, internet access um, yeah um, in, I would say in the Western world, uh, with uh, our level of, of IT infrastructure, it's a low um, a risk. Um, but I agree, yeah, you are dependent on the Internet. And it can mean, and we have had cases like that or heard about, ca- I mean, discussed cases like that. It, it, could, it meant really um, a real disadvantage in money um, because people couldn't do their job.
2: Yeah,
0: I agree, 100%.
2: Uh, we've got time for one more question, if anyone's got one more question. Otherwise, I'd like to thank Stephanie very much for a very stimulating presentation, and I'd like to thank you for a very stimulating discussion. Sorry, I was done in
0: 30 minutes. I no,
2: that was, that was fantastic. I thought, so, I thought, it,
0: I thought it takes
2: longer. I thought no, it long, I I should think it was fantastic <laughs> that we did have time for, um, for a conversation around that. So thank you, everyone. We'll see you back here at 3.30.